Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. It's the Dental and Mental Podcast. I'm Dr. Galen Dietrich, and this is... The Dental and Mental Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We really need to choreograph better. Sorry, you guys. Just staring at her. I was just like, are you going to say your name? (laughs) I'm offline. I'm offline. I am Dr. Davina Dietrich, and I am the mental portion of the Dental and Mental Podcast. And I'm the dental. So we are going to, uh, we're going to dive in today with kind of a fun topic. It's the topic of, well, I'm going to give you the one liner, the kind of the hook, and then we'll explain it. It is choosing the hard life. Okay. And uh, do you feel like you have a hard life? No, I don't. But I also think that it's a comparison, right? I think that there is, there are so many people on this planet that have, a much harder row than we do. And there are also people who have, perhaps, by comparison, an easier row. But it's all very much um, an individual assessment, you know? So, yeah, I think that it's... We have we have a very blessed life, but there have been a lot of choices along the, the, the way as well to create the life that we have. Okay, fair. All right, so what? how do you want to roll into this topic? What does a hard life mean for you? Well, you and I were watching the Huberman and David Goggins podcast, which was phenomenal. Um, I think you'd watched it a couple times prior to me, and then you said, you've got to watch this. And we did, and we sat there together, and we watched it in depth, and then talked about it on a whole road trip the day after that, pretty much, um, for, what, four hours? (laughs) Yeah. Just dissecting it. And I think what really struck me about that podcast was that, Goggins really does choose a very difficult life to live. But it's, I guess what I'm getting is there's a difference between choosing struggle, just for the sake of struggle, and choosing discipline, which is very painful and difficult and hard, but it's for a better purpose, right? Yes. And I don't necessarily believe that you're choosing hard now so that it can be easier later. I think that's a bit of a myth that we have in our heads. That, well, if I just do X now, I know it's so hard, but I know it's going to be easier later. Well, you don't know that. You know, actually, your life could be just continually, you know, more difficult. <laughs> That's a possibility. But do you do it because you like who you are when you choose that? Do you do it because you um, see the benefit mentally, emotionally, in legacy, physically, you know, all those different portions? It's a standard. To me, to me, yeah. it's the conversation of having a standard around how you are choosing to live your life. What is the standard? Mm, I love that. Explain that more because I know we did talk about, I think it was episode two, about the difference between standards and expectations. But, you know, we have expectations for ourselves. We have standards for ourselves. There's oftentimes a difference between those two. Explain that. So when the to me, when the standard is the standard, it is that is who I'm committing to being no matter what. Mm. It's a no matter what. It's not the circumstances have to be just so in order for me to perform. Yeah. So we I all of us ideally want the optimal circumstances, correct? We spend a lot of time, effort, energy, creating circumstances that allow us to achieve a certain outcome with more ease. Right. And that's fine. So we do want to set up our environment to be able to create certain outcomes and have a level of predictability. And we have to step into another version of ourselves that when the environment is not ideal, who are we then? What is the standard? 
Mm-hmm. Is the standard I'm only going to show up, uh, say say you're committing to running every day. Is it I'm only going to run every day if the temperature is 85, if it is there is no wind blowing outside. <laughs> I have just gotten new shoes. I have the absolute perfect athletic equipment, right? Like my gear is all streamlined. Yeah, all of those things help. But who are you then when you've committed to doing that and it's raining and you have, you know, your good shoes, you left them at the gym, they're in your workout bag, whatever. You're left with less than ideal environmental circumstances. That's when standards kick in. Mm -hmm. What are you committed to? How have you intentionally said that you would perform no matter what? It's probably a crude analogy. Edit this if you need to. But I see the difference between expectations and standards almost as like a max and a minimum or an ideal and a real, which is my ideal for my life would be an expectation. Like I'm going to get all these things done today. This is the way it's going to go. It's going to be awesome. It is your plan. And then there is the prepare. There's the real, which is life and circumstances and environment really threw some wrenches that day. But you have a standard that says we do not below. We don't go below this. Right, like this is the way we'll be operate. This is the way we'll behave, and you—it's—it's a non-negotiable. Right. So when we're talking about that, even from an emotional perspective, right, I think a lot of us can relate to having an emotional standard, where no matter how bad your day is, even if you go out to eat and they get your food wrong, you're not going to lose it on the waiter or waitress. Correct. Mm -hmm. Like that's not something that we usually define we start to look at that as normal ways of being in a society that you want to participate in. But there is a standard set there. You will not act this way, even though... Societal norms. You're tired, hungry, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. That's that's a pretty basic one. Yeah. But what does that look like when we then translate that to our significant other, right? You've had a hard day and you are maybe frayed at the edges. How then do you choose to communicate when you are on your last like emotional fiber? This is actually a really, I mean, for those of you guys listening, I think this, what we're about to go into, if you really were to unpack this, like this has been, we spent a lot of money trying to learn this next bit. And I think it's such a crucial and pivotal perception to adopt. It's the idea that what you kind of just described, like there's these societal norms, there's things that we just kind of know are, you know, that's, that's the way you are to behave. Now think about goals that you have, uh, a vision that you have for your practice, for your life, for your marriage, for friendships, for travel, whatever that thing is, okay? That typically will embody some sense of growth. Like you will have to become a different person in order to achieve those things. Your team will have to become a different version of themselves to achieve those things because that's the definition of growth, yes? But the problem is, that's under ideal circumstances. Most of the time, you're going to have wrenches thrown into your mix, right? Someone is going to completely ru- ruin your plan. And when that happens, do you default back down to what is normal and fine and okay? And most people do. That's the difference between expectations and standards is that people don't have their standards high enough. And so when things get really crappy, they're like, oh, maybe next go. Maybe next round, it just wasn't in the cards. That was the sign, right? And so they default down to that and you wonder why you didn't achieve those things. It's because your standards were too low. Right, that's exactly it. When I start coaching somebody, one of the questions that I ask them is where do you stop and how do you stop? Mm. 
That information is critical to know because usually how you stop shows up repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And so that is good information to know. And it's also a key awareness for the other person to understand how they stop as well. Right. Right. And so there's usually themes that they can see that get them to stop. So mm-hmm. whether and you're running may not be Give me an example of a few of these. Like give me because you, you, you work with a lot of people. So give me some of like the common ones that people have as like ways they stop and how they, you know, and how they do it. A huge common one where people stop is based on what other people think. Okay. So it can show up in, I'm doing this new thing. And so-and-so made a comment about, huh, good luck with that. You think you're going to be able to do that? And that will mm. really take them out of the game. Another place where people stop is fighting with their significant other. Mm-hmm. When the home life, yes, in their relationships, when that starts happening, it's like, I can't actually move forward with the thing I said I wanted most. I've got to go tend to this. Now, the thing about it is, it's not that the problems aren't real. The problems are very much real. Right. There are actual problems happening at home. There is a a real argument happening with your significant other. And those are the times where you get to shift into being somebody else so that you can say, I'm going to deal with that. And this is my opportunity to raise my standards. I'm going to continue on with the commitment, the thing that I said I was going to do. And that's also the place where people tend to build confidence really rapidly because they start to understand that they can trust themselves even when circumstances are not ideal. And that creates a mm-hmm. lot of personal power. There's a lot of layers of depth in what you're describing. And I think this is helpful to maybe unpack a little bit. Relationships, I agree with you 100%. We see this not just with dentists we work with, but we were talking about this in the last episode. Like you see this big time with teams, right? Like if, if, if you're listening to this and you go back to your office um, tomorrow and you realize that most of the problems that are circling around in your practice are relationship problems, whether it's a patient who has a bad day or a staff member who's having a difficult time and bringing drama to the office. Almost always, it's going to be probably either relationships or financial, almost always. But what's crazy about that is let's go for the relationship for, for a moment. Let's say someone's working with you and they're encountering that resistance and there's a spouse, someone that they really care about who is really pulling them back down that's the way the, that's the way they're perceiving it i think one of the things we've seen a lot and you can speak to this is that they will start to um kind of justify slowing down in their mind because it becomes a choice i'm either going to go for what it is that i want or i'm going to keep my relationship and there's only two choices in their mind and of course the right one in that scenario to most people is keep the relationship not realizing that there is no growth without tension so maybe part of your growth edge is actually being able to have a very difficult and hard conversation and holding yourself accountable to a higher standard with that person that you love who's gotten very very used to you being a different version of yourself that's exactly it so those are the opportunities when you get to set new standards and you also get to surprise yourself along the way as you handle hard things in less than ideal circumstances mm-hmm. because otherwise you can't meet a different version of yourself and we've talked about this a little bit people say that they want x right it's the goal that i want the million dollar practice i want the fantastic relationship i want all of these things all mm-hmm. of their wish list of items 
and we've talked about this, I've said this in a previous podcast, but you have to ask yourself, can you handle the reciprocal? Right. Can you handle the reciprocal? And that often comes with the problems that are associated with those things. If you're a person who is going to handle a million dollar practice, are you handling the finances the way that you would handle them for a million dollar practice? Are you setting aside money for taxes? Are you investing in new education, new growth for the team? New, right? Are you setting up proper systems to be able to handle that influx? It's very easy to say that you want the good thing, but can you handle the downside of the thing that you're asking for? And you have to be built in order to be able to hold that so that you can hold the thing that you want. It, essentially, what you're getting is there's always a trade off, like one way or another. And that's kind of the idea behind this, like choosing the hard, the hard life, the harder path is that. If you really were to unpack it and you had two people, right? Like let's say you have a Goggins type and then you have somebody who is just like never going to work out, never going to push themselves, looking for absolute comfort in this life, okay? And you fast forward to the end of their life, they actually both struggled. They both encountered difficulty just in very different ways and with very different, very different outcomes. And kind of what you're getting is like there's two different, there's, there's a trade-off to everything you're going to choose. And if you're willing to choose that growth and that new like bleeding edge of who you can be, you have to be built, you have to be willing to embrace what might feel like a downside, might feel like pain, at least in the short term. Absolutely. And it's really interesting when we talk about it and we break it down because what you perceive as the pain that you're going to go through is largely really in your head because when you break it down to a practicality okay if this doesn't work out what happens Mm -hmm. usually people don't know what happens (laughs) right they're playing what if in the negative yeah yeah they're playing what if but they haven't actually stopped to analyze what is actually the thing that you're afraid of so it's like okay i want to drop insurance and i go completely fee for service okay well i'm scared scared of what what if everybody leaves is that a real thing Mm mm-hmm is 100% of your patient pool going to walk out of the door? Right. Well, no, probably not. Okay, well then let's bring statistics and facts into this and let's look at what the actual numbers are. And you start looking at the fear from a very practical place and then start walking a person through, and could you handle that? And could you survive that? And when they get down to the thing that they're really afraid of, it's like, oh yeah, I could I could actually handle that. I could survive that. Okay, the well, then what are we waiting for? You know, so let's get some practical examples in here because this is such a great, I love this point. You brought up the fee-for-service route. How many of your clients have dropped insurance? You know, they had the fear. I'm going to lose everything. People are going to leave me. Family members and friends and colleagues and people who come to me, a small town, whatever it is, are going to badmouth me. They're going to see me different. How many of those practices have gone under? None. And how many have stayed totally like level stagnant? Uh, None. They actually grow. They actually increase. Everything multiplies. And it's always, it's so fun because when somebody steps into that experience, they are so shocked. (laughs) They're so shocked that no one left. They're so shocked that now they are increasing their revenue Mm -hmm. without increasing their patient load. Right, right. They're so shocked that now they have more time, that the relationships are deeper, the reviews are better. They're sh- they're shocked around all of these things. 
And it changes so many things for the practice. And kind of to your point, your this is the idea behind confidence, right? I've said this before. Anyone who's ever heard me lecture, you know, I always talk about this, but confidence meaning with faith. That's what it breaks down to in Latin. You're taking a leap of faith, and you don't know what will be on the other side. So, yes, in theory, your practice could implode. Yeah, in theory, that could happen. But there's another side to it, which could mean exactly what you just described. And we have found that, knock on wood, no one has experienced the what if of, oh my gosh, my practice just fell apart. They've actually experienced growth. We did this at Vita. And to Devin's credit, um, <clears throat> our imaginary friend, he uh, he was willing to go for this and to, to cut all ties with insurance and for us to go fee-for-service. And we lost patience, no doubt about it. We definitely did. But what's crazy is that I believe our patient, I'd have to look at the numbers exactly, but it was somewhere around like $570 per patient. That was the average dollar amount associated with a patient in the practice when we dropped insurance and it's jumped up to like 3,500 per patient because it's now comprehensive and insurance isn't playing their dirty game, right? So what's that allow you to do? Now the next fear that people have is like, okay, you gotta throw some marketing dollars behind things. If you want better high quality patients and you wanna build up that attrition, that will happen, you'll have some attrition. Most people are too scared to do that. The financial outputting of, you know, oh my gosh, I'm gonna spend $10,000 on marketing? Like, no way, I can't do that. Well then you start to think about like, well you have a 1,500 people in your patient pool and each one of them is worth this now new amount could you not afford 50 to $100 per patient to acquire a new one when you know what your new average customer value is? Like it becomes so much easier to believe once you've taken that first leap, now it, the numbers start to support it. Now you know that you have that backbone to support these things. And I think that's why, as you said in the last podcast, that there's such rapid growth with your clients and with the docs that are within Thrive because we show them and we push them and we expose them to one micro step and then another and then another and those start to build up very fast. Their fears are more irrational than the success. <laughs> That's the one liner for the for the podcast. I love that. Well, it's right, it's true. It's like you come we all do. It's this is not any specific person. We all come with very irrational fears and the success is actually really a no-brainer. Because the fears are all, they're so much more crazy than the steps it would take to get to the success. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I remember having this conversation with my coach. I remember, I told you this. It was such an interesting answer. When I asked her, she, I, I had said, what would you do if you lost it all? Mm-hmm. And she was like, she's a very interesting person. She was like, yeah, like that would be a bummer. And, and this is a grown woman. This isn't like, you know, somebody who's like, yeah, I'll just move back in with my parents. She has children. She has a family. And she's like, yeah, it would be a bummer. But I would move back in with my mom and dad. And like, that would that would suck. But, you know, not, not so bad. My mom's a wonderful cook. And I would rebuild. Hmm. And she was 100% serious about that. It wasn't like, what would people think? She That was all very irrelevant to her. And she said that. And it really is something that stuck with me and integrated for me was working with her and borrowing that mindset from her, 
which is the stuff, the success, the growth, that's all nice and cool and fun to have. And nobody's going to be sad about, you know, having great dinners or being able to shop or whatever it is. But she really hammered home the point that that's not the thing. Yeah. The person who you become is the thing and that can never be taken away. So all the stuff that's acquired along the way is fun, but it's irrelevant. Mm. And don't ever get that. Don't ever get that mistaken. I love the line that you just used, which is borrowing almost, right? Or utilizing that other person's confidence until you can build your own. You've talked about that a bunch. I know um, Dr. Bennett, David Bennett, um, both a mentor to both of us, um, a part of Thrive, one of our instructors, a fabulous guy. And that's one of the things that he'll tell people. He's like, look, I'm going to teach you how to do a full month rehabilitation. You've never done one before. So until you get your first one done, your second and your third, you're going to borrow my confidence. And I'm going to teach you how to do this. You're going to build this game plan, this kind of complex treatment plan, the Everest of dentistry. You're going to do it by borrowing and utilizing my confidence until you can adopt your own. And that's such a powerful principle. I know people do that with both you and I as well. And that is, that's kind of the magic sauce because I think people start to also get this weird it's another good topic for us, but it's the idea of being special. And you can be special in both really stupid ways. One is that you are the you happen to be the one person who is just not going to work out for, or you're also that one person who it is going to work out for. And most of the time that mindset flips, flip-flops for the same person. They That same person is like, I'm going to hit the moon. And that same person is like, I'm never meant to make it. <laughs> That same, it's yeah. that it's not like multiple people have versions of this. It's like one person flips back from being, I'm extraordinary to I'm a worm. And I think that's because there is so little track record and there's so much magical thinking, right? There's not enough of a trust in a process and a regimen and a recipe. You know, that's part of what we try to teach. And it's one of the things that we had to learn the hard way in our own, in our own version of things, you know, a decade ago, seven years ago. But as you start to get better at trusting and letting go of control, you start to realize that you just trust that process. Someone has done this before. And if they haven't, you find someone who has a very similar um, ride up the mountain. It may not be the identical one, but similar. And you trust that. Like is there is a recipe to doing these types of things, right? Yes. And that, so back to your point about anchoring into somebody else's confidence. So Dr. Bennett and I are closing up Firestarter, which Mm -hmm. Firestarter was a hybrid of his coaching and my coaching. Mm -hmm. So he was doing the clinical coaching. I was doing the mental coaching with this group of dentists and that was a big part of the conversation from the mental perspective is can you anchor into his confidence which means so from a practical perspective i'm getting you to have conversations about comprehensive dentistry and the fears can come up why i haven't ever done this before okay but do you know how to take records do Mm. you know how to send x-rays do you know how to send the photography over to him And then you guys are going to sit down and he's actually going to step-by-step tell you exactly what you're looking for, how to plan the case, the lab to use, how to cement everything in. Like all of these things are not things that you are going to be looking at with your eyes. You're actually going to be looking at this case through his eyes, through his lens Mm -hmm. and doing exactly what he tells you to do. Right. So that's the very practical application of anchoring into somebody else's confidence. It's not 
you've done 100 cases, I've done none, and I'm hoping that I feel the way you do. It's that person is walking you through it and you're going to be the one executing it, but you're not looking at it through your own lens. You know, this is how we buy things too. This is every purchase ever. You are taking a leap of faith and obviously depending upon the rarity of the product, etc., there's degrees to this, but you know, there's a trust that this product will deliver in the way that it says that it will. And you are trusting reviews. You're trusting other people's thoughts and word of mouth. You're trusting your own intellect and your logic of how this thing would, you know, work in your hands. That's every purchase ever. And I think one of the things that gets lost on people, but I teach this really heavily in Credo, is the idea that the more you embody the thing, the easier it is for you to help others do that very same task. And so the better you are at making decisions and purchasing things and then being in integrity with your word and making them work, that confidence gets allocated in many ways to your patient pool. The more comfortable I am with making purchases, the more comfortable and confident I am in getting results, that translates into my patients feeling that same thing and saying yes in better percentages. And the vice versa also works. When you really are like, I'll just DIY this. I'm not going to look for anyone's help. I'm not going to purchase that thing. That's too expensive for me. Don't be surprised when all your patients give you, let me think about it. Let me talk to so-and-so. That sounds like it's too expensive. Does my insurance cover that? You're going to get all those things because you are doing those things. For sure. You're like, like, and like, mm-hmm. you know, you can't, you can't get away from being around an environment that you calibrate to which is the crux of this conversation, right? Because you're making a choice. The choice is hard path or delayed hard path. And if you choose, you're like, you know what? It's too expensive for right now. I can't swing that. I just, oof, you know what? Maybe next year. Okay. Then you're going to go a whole nother year of people having the same resistance that you just had. And that's not that fun. That is not enjoyable. Right. And you, because you can't lead yourself through it, you cannot lead anybody else through it either. Yeah. Wouldn't you rather bet on you than bet on the whims of other people? Like just hoping that they will be the ones that support you versus I'm going to go get this done. Like you can control you. Why would you not bet on that? Well, isn't that what leadership is? Leadership is I go first. Yes. Leadership is I go, I go first. I have to go first. There's nobody to follow if nobody starts marching. <laughs> right? Yeah. So yeah. leadership means I go first. Well, and you're going to get bloody. Like we were talking about this to our kids the other day. And we were talking, uh, I think you showed the video of David Goggins like running, right? Tell this story because this story to me, it embodies the idea of obviously him leading, you know, leading by example doing next to nothing to anybody and what comes as the arrows f- and and bloodbath of leadership okay so our daughter has to give a presentation every week at school every single week she has a presentation and so she gets to make the choice of whatever she's going to present on this week she has gotten very into fashion designing and illustration mm. so she draws I wonder where she gets she that. draws a bunch of ensembles <laughs> in a sketchbook And so this week she said, I really want to present this to my class. And I'm afraid that what if they don't like it? What if they laugh at me? What if it's silly? And I said, well, yeah, that can happen. That's, that's a very legitimate fear. And what does it matter? 
And so she starts going into why that matters, which I understand why it does. And I said, hold on, let me show you something. So I pulled up a clip from Instagram of David Goggins going for a run. Now the clip is recent. This is a man running in the dark. That's it. That's all he's doing. A man running and he is being followed by his partner and she's filming it. Mm -hmm. And I showed it to our daughter and I said, what do you see? And she's like, it's a man running. And I said, anything Mm -hmm. else? And she's like, no, just a man going for a run. I said, exactly. Do you want to know the amount of hate comments he's received on this video? And she was like shocked. What? Why? How? Like, how could anybody possibly hate a man going for a run? Yeah, not not telling anyone like you need to believe something different. No, there was to change your orientation. Nothing, <laughs> nothing. It was, and and he posted about this later, not commenting on anything political, race driven, current events. Literally, a man going for a run. And when I told her, there is so many comments that are really mean about this video she was like I don't understand why and I said that's exactly it does it matter so if you know that people can attack you for literally anything being a man going for a run does it even matter what people think your job is to get up and show up and deliver your gifts your job is to do what you feel led to do your job is to show up and she was she got it it clicked for her she was so excited she put her little book in her backpack and off we went and she presented today and it was a smash right but she really understood oh you could actually do nothing and still be not liked for that so yeah get used to it that we we did talk about this kind of percentage and this percentage is probably not you know, this is completely made up, but it's roughly in the ballpark. Okay. <laughs> Just a little caveat for y'all. Um, it's that 1080 10. And I would imagine that if you were to look at and analyze all, what it was it like 25 million people that follow David Goggins that, you know, either follow him or view his, uh, his, uh, platform, yeah, right. His account that you would find a 10% that love him and are in integrity with their own actions as well, right? Think nothing else of it. They're like, dude, right on, man, keep going. And then they get about their own life. They're doing their own thing. There's another 10% at the very bottom that are like, well, good for that guy. I mean, I'm definitely not doing that, but I know I'm not doing anything about it. And that's good. Then there's an 80% in the middle that wants something better for their lives. There's a mental side to this, right? That's like, I want to be working out more. I want to be more disciplined. I want to push myself harder. I want to hit those goals. I wanted, I want a different life than what I have right now. But they can't bear the hypocrisy of seeing somebody else do something so difficult so consistently that they will project that hatred of their own hypocrisy onto him. And that's what the hate comments are. And that's about 80%. I mean, it's a, like that was what he even showed in his numbers. I think that's an important thing for us to realize because in some way, shape, or form, we probably all have some version of that. We have a, a, a bit of us that can't stand being out of integrity with ourselves and the, and the goals that we've set. And we probably, in some way, shape, or form, project that. It could be in your parenting. This is a really key place. We see this with clients. I see it with myself. If you are not living that... If you're not living in integrity in all the ways in which you've set set out to do, you can sometimes transpose that onto your children. 
and right and you you lose your temper a little bit or you get frustrated by something or you have a dual standard right and you're impatient but then you realize like <laughs> this is this is all in me this is this is my projection would you agree with that do you think this is what you see yeah i think that's really true i also think that comes from people have a memory of who they were and they mm. transpose that into thinking it's who they are now interesting and so the judgment comes from them having a point of reference of having done a hard thing but they're not currently doing it <laughs> and so they lean on that past version of themselves but really understand that that's not who they are today mm, that's so interesting and so there's you know there's friction there yeah <laughs> is there a sense of loss you think as well maybe if they're aware of it if they're aware of it but what it usually what it comes down to is I have, I have proven myself, therefore I don't have to keep proving. Mm. Therefore, I, it's like I had a standard at one point and I'm going to rest on the fact that I had a standard at one point in time, although I do not keep one anymore. Got you. And that's, that's actually really hard to do yeah. because you have a, an idea of when you were doing better at some point in time and you judge people, other people, off your past standard and not who you're being today. Mm. Ooh, that's a good one. That's super interesting, actually. I mean, you see a lot of that with sports. <laughs> used to be this in high school. Used to be this in college, and 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 now you're far, far cry from that. But you right. still yell at the TV, just like you know, you're the one getting paid to go do that, <laughs> right? And never mess up. Um, so interesting. I mean, this com this conversation to me is one of those that really applies to everything in our lives. We've obviously been talking about team. A lot over the last couple of episodes um, on the mailing list as well, right? Um, I've been writing a lot about team, but it's just one of those things that I'm I'm picking up on more that there is a path that is truly less traveled, and it takes incredible willpower and support, right? It it takes a certain sense of accountability and support and encouragement to be a leader, and. You know, you asked earlier, like, do you have a hard life? And I think the reason why I would say that I don't have a hard life is not probably for the reasons why other people would say it, right? It's not, I don't think about it from a financial perspective. I don't think about it from a physical perspective. I think what has made my life easier or more charmed and certainly blessed is that I have always had tremendous mentors and advisors and, and supporters around me. You know, I mean, that's that I think that really is the gold of my life is that I've had people who have I can always look to great friends. I have phenomenal friends, you know, where we can go and we can talk about stuff and I can pull from their businesses and they can pull from mine. And it's very symbiotic. My partnership with Devin and, and really walking into something like that, that was incredible. My first associateship even with Dr. Beers, like so grateful for these people that I've come across in my life. I think about uh, Adamo, Dr. Adamo, many of you guys know, like what an asset he's been to us um, with all things AACD and just such a talented clinician. And, mm. and last year, like speaking out for me and getting me, getting me a, a spot there, like people like that, you get, you get a, the humble and incredible honor of being able to know. And if you're smart enough, hopefully to not waste those. Um, I think that's what makes your life easier. I don't know. I could be wrong, but that's the way I feel about it. 
Yeah, I think that's I think that's really true. So in order to do that, you have to become a person that those people would want to even interact with as well. Mm. Right? Elevating your own personal value. You have to. Yeah. Because otherwise, why would somebody want to be in any sort of relationship with you? Yeah, because you don't need mooching off of the relationship. You need to be able to contribute in some way, right? Is that what you're getting at? Yes. So not that this has anything to do with dentistry, but the, the principle that we're talking about applies. So I remember early on, or, you know, a lot of people have the experience of having, and I'm going to say girlfriend, because I, I don't know what guys talk about. I don't know if it's the same thing. But you have that girlfriend who always wants this fantastic guy, and she's absolutely miserable. <laughs> and and most people are aware of it. The other girlfriends are all aware that it's like, oh my gosh, I want this really, really great guy. And the other friends are like, in their head, the brave ones actually say it. I usually make some sort of comment because you know, I just always tell the truth. Um, but it's like, but girl, you're not the type of woman who could have a really great guy because you're miserable to be around. Mm. And there's this idea that if I just had the right counterpart, I would no longer be miserable because the lack of the thing is what's making me miserable. So I would actually be an absolute gem and joy. That is not true. Mm. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. is not true. And so I think people think if I only had X, I would become this next version of myself. Right. And it's the opposite. You've got to become the next version of yourself so that that thing can come in. Oh. Order of operations, it matters in pretty much everything. But right? that to the point back to leadership, people do not want to go first. I don't actually want to become a person that could hold that type of relationship because that should come and then I will rise once it gets here to meet it. I think it's important to like really, really bold, capitalize, italicize, underline this point of order of operations. What you're saying is pure gold. And it it is so true that you have to become that person who is able then to accept, receive, and um, utilize that thing that you want. Now, the thing that comes to you usually is the thing that you want not who you need to become during that. But it's genuinely just as like scientific as if you put bond down first and then you decide to etch, that's how stupid this is. Like when you think I'm going to get the thing first, you have to put them in the right order. If you don't, it just genuinely doesn't work. Well, because no other area in your life would that make any sense. No. Right? Where you're to the point of ASCD. You're not going to get accredited and then you go back and learn how to do the cases. (laughs) That's crazy thinking. You have to become in order to then be recognized for becoming. Well, let's, let's break that down just a little bit more. Right. So, so you've got that, that sounds crazy, but we have to point out where this is a bit more like a person can grab this. So I think dentists are really um it's very common to think if i just have a little bit more money then i can x y or z so they're looking for the money to be able to deploy it for that new ce or for that coach or for that trip with their family or to hire that new staff member or to put a new marketing campaign out right They're thinking, I get the money first, then I can go do these things. 
but they're not thinking about really what is required at a more basic level to bring that money in. So they'll keep circling around and they'll never go do those things because the money doesn't actually come for that. Right? Right. And the reason why it doesn't come for that is money's coming into your business, but you're spending it on completely different things than the things that you said that you wanted it for because there's not a surplus in your mind. And that's because you have not become a more increased abundant version of yourself at the risk of sounding a bit too you know, cliche. There is a bigger version of you that you must become first to be able to accept more. It's a capacity thing. Yeah, I think that's 100% true. You and I, especially from a coaching perspective, we have hired people that at the time we definitely could not afford. Yeah, no. We definitely could not afford. <laughs> yeah, we definitely could not afford. And I'm not saying whether I'm not giving this advice or instruction for people. You you do what you will. I'm talking about how you and I have done it. Right. Where in order to get to the next step of growth, we knew that we needed this type of support. Therefore, we got that type of support and then became the people who could then repay that, earn that money back mm -hmm. and grow into that. I was talking to a dentist the other day um, about working with me privately. And he was, you know, I, I felt for him because he really did want it in a certain perspective, right? But I think what happens sometimes is that when you say you want something, there's a part of you that wants to get all of the information first before you make a decision. And I want to think about like, think about a patient. A patient's like, before I decide to do, you know, those two crowns and that night guard, I need to really know exactly what material you're going to use. I need to know how you're going to put it onto my teeth. I need to know how much to the to precise degree of how much tooth structure has been taken away before I say yes to this. And I need to see your documentation that you are like going through all those things. I also need to talk to four to five patients before I say yes to this would drive you mad. It's that's just unreasonable. And I think we have to start to step out of that mindset ourselves when we're making decisions. And sometimes, sometimes it's important for us to really ask ourselves, why are we in the position that we're in? Because more than likely you're there due to that train of thinking, right? Over analyzing things, over researching things when truly what needs to happen is a real gut check of like, what do you really want and how bad do you want it? If you want it bad enough, then go get it. It's really as simple as that. That's it's real. That's the whole thing, right? Because you, at, when you're mentoring somebody, you're not responsible for their success. We've talked about that. We have a lot of successful clients, and I think you and I are both very clear that we are not responsible for their success. Right. 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 We're there to go to guide, coach, lead, all of that, and ultimately, it's up to them to continue to get out there and to do the work and to keep mm -hmm. showing up and to keep pushing and to keep falling down and getting back up at a really rapid pace to believe something new and to integrate that into their identity. That's yeah. their job. And you could choose wrong. Let's just say it for what it is. You and I have not always worked with somebody that, you know, we've coached with a lot of different people. And I would not say that all of them were the best. I will. I, I agree with that. But the the times that did not work out for us is because we picked the wrong person based on what we needed. Correct. It wasn't the fault of the person. 
So if we take, I agree. right, if we take a look at when we had hired somebody very specific for advertising, he was the best of the best. And when we got into that relationship, we sir, we learned very soon that we were not available to advertise in the way that was his expertise, right? Correct. And and what I was going to say is that like, there is still a lesson to be learned that could be an incredibly valuable lesson for you that when you are committed, when you as the individual going through that experience Oftentimes we think that it's only successful if we get what we expected to get. But if our standard for ourselves, going back to that original conversation, is one of full commitment, full leap of faith, like right, like if you're gonna jump across a chasm and you kinda do it, you fall into the chasm. Mm-hmm. Hesitation will get you killed. Yeah, hesitation <laughs> gets you killed, right? You have to be full fledged into it. And on the other side of that chasm, you may not like it as much as you thought you were going to. You're like, man, my expectations are lost. But you gain something through that. And we've always done that. I think, yes, we've chosen incorrectly for what we needed at, at times. But damn, if we didn't learn some great stuff from that. And actually, some of those were the best lessons. I mean, right? Like, it's not even a failure. I think people say that, right? You and I have talked about that. Like, oh, I learned more from my fails than my successes. You and I learned from our successes too. We love those. But it's not a, I wouldn't call it a failure. I would call it as like, hey, I, my expectations were needed to be shifted. They need to be, they need to be adjusted. 100%. And I think from a belief perspective, you get to decide from a belief perspective how to, like the context to look at something. So if you and I invest, let's say $10,000 on a coach and it, it, it wasn't the right fit at the right time for us, whatever it is. I look at that as I'm glad I learned this lesson at $10,000 because I don't want to learn it at $100,000. I don't want to learn it at a million dollars. So I have a belief that no matter what, even if that doesn't work out in a moment in time, it will work out for me throughout the long run. I 100% believe that. So I don't worry about that. I also think there's really only two questions that really at any given point in time you should be asking. The first is, is this person that I want something from, that I want to work with, et cetera, do they have a facet of life or facets that I want? And that's actually, believe it or not, like more important than you could possibly imagine. It shockingly doesn't seem to be something people ask very often. Or like, I want to be successful like so-and-so. And you're like, well, do you want their life? Do you want this? Do you want that? And you go through like the 10 different things that are very apparent about the choices that they've made. And they're like, well, I don't want any of those things. You're like, well, why did you want that person? Right, like be very clear that you want enough of what that person has to be able to work with them or, or buy from them. And then the second is does do they have the ability to teach it? Right? If they've got a track record and people have gained uh from working with them, boom. Like those are the two things you need to know. Right? I guess the third would be, are you actually committed? Are you the kind of person who's willing to choose the hard path? If you are and you really are committed, good. Like, that's it. It, The decision-making should not be much harder than that. I like to ask the question if the person makes me feel expanded. And by the word expanded, I mean, do I feel like a fuller version? Do I feel even a little bit nervous because they are a few steps ahead of me? That's how Mm. I, that's how I like to look at something when I'm looking at somebody that I want to, I want to work with next. There has to be for me a degree of unrelatable. 
Oh, I like that. There has like to be that. a degree of unrelatable for me. I mm-hmm. like to look for a coach who feels a little bit unrelatable, which means that huh. they're doing something to a level that I'm like, that's very unrelatable. I don't know how you're doing that. I can't relate to that. Therefore, they feel very magnetic to me. And I want to know how you're doing the thing. So it's the foreign nature, exotic nature of the thing that they're doing or who they're being that makes you a little nervous slash excited. Exactly. I and that's not familiar. Exactly. And that to me feels expansive. Oh, I like that. You're yeah. doing something in a way yeah, that I don't. Yeah, it's an adventure. Yeah, you're doing something in a way that I don't really understand. I feel expanded by it. You feel a bit unrelatable because I don't know how to do that thing yet. I, you know, I, I like, I mean, even though what I just said, adventure, like, it, I think that it also should be fun, right? Like, life is so serious. <laughs> it's so serious. And I feel like dentistry is really serious. And, you know, Devin's great about that, where, like, he just brings this, like, bit of ridiculousness. Joy, playfulness, absolutely. Right? Yeah, Kids, it's a good time. Same thing, right? Kids, that's what they bring. They bring this, like, sense of just wild adventure and craziness. And when you look at the way that they dress and you're like, none of these things go together, but they somehow work with you. Like, it's just different. It's fun. It's exciting. I still feel that way. Well, you definitely dress that way and I like it. But I feel that way in like vibe. Sometimes I forget that I'm an older person now because I don't, (laughs) I don't, I don't feel that. I don't think that way. It just doesn't match with the way I feel, with the way I live, with the way I believe, with the way I operate. Yeah. You know, I, I think so much more can be accomplished when you're just like, you know what? I mean, I'm just going to say it. And you're like, yeah, fuck it. Let's just do it. Let's just go for it. Right. I think that that is there's actually something to be achieved that is somewhat magical. We talk about magical thinking, how stupid it is, and it really doesn't get you anywhere. But there is a, still a magic to thinking. Mm. And that is a really important element in any sort of growth minded objective mission or push or challenge that you put yourself through yes so i like to describe it like this there should be a foot one foot should be in predictability okay okay how are we doing this what are the goals what are the metrics how are we getting there if we predictably did x amount of dentistry in a day compounded over the years it would lead to this number Mm. right so there's Mm. a predictability right we look at metrics numbers goals plans systems And we live according to that one foot in there, but then the other foot needs to be in possibility. Okay. Okay. Predictability and possibility. Yes. One foot in one, one foot in the other. So when we're in predictability, what is the natural trajectory of the practice growth over X amount of years? Great. Okay. Possibility is, huh, what if I bought another practice? What if I bought a chart sale? What if I hired team members? What if I put $100,000 that I didn't have yet into marketing? What if I, it is the what if in the positive Mm -hmm. when we're talking about possibility. And so to your point, that's when things get to have that spark, that vibrancy, that this could really work. And we Mm -hmm. still have one foot in predictability. We still know where we're going. And we also leave the door open for, and something unexpected could happen that actually works out in my benefit. Oh, yeah. That surprises and delights me that I didn't see coming. We had uh, a couple of clients, coaching clients, some of our favorite. They're just just amazing people. And um, they allowed us to use their story at, at Thrive Live this Pasco. But I loved that they did that 
they actually sent us their homework prior to um, when they had signed up. And then they sent us like, this is the homework that we had done the night prior or right the night up. Right. So they signed up. It was a big, it was a big investment. They're like, okay, are we going to do this? And they did exactly what we're describing. They turned it into fun. They got a glass of wine. They sat there together and they played. What if, Mm -hmm. what if we did this and it scared us, but we achieved X. What if we were able to do this with our family? What if we were able to grow our practice and not just like 0.2%, we did like 20, 30, 50%. And what ended up happening after a year is they blew every one of those goals away Mm -hmm. in 2020. When everyone else was shrinking, constricting, scared, terrified, you know, this is just the way things are. This is the norm. They said, forget that. We're going to play this game different. And I mean, the results show and they're continuing to grow. Mm -hmm. That's, that is so fun to see that now their new norm is everybody else's wish. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's the way it should be. I'm going to bring it back to team real quick and then we can kind of finish things up. I think one of the things that's really cool about what you're going to be doing with, with our team at Vita, which by the way, for those of you guys listening, we thought about, we talked about, we got a lot of people that had written, written us kind of saying like, this sounds awesome. Like, please let me know if you ever have free time to do this for us. We talked about it. We're going to be opening it up to a few more teams because actually I think there's a lot of fun things that can come from a camaraderie. You guys, your teams can be working with my team, which is also really cool. Um, but what we're talking about in this whole thing is about Im- like embedding, like c- command V, that mindset that you have, I'm looking at my wife, that she has, that I have, that Devin has, that our clients have, how do we command V, control V, and copy and paste that into the minds of the team that you spend the most time with? People that are around your patients who are maybe hesitating, and you give them all that one foot in predictability and one foot in possibility. How do we do that? And I think that that is one of the most exciting things about this element in this piece is that we're scaling you. Scaling the dentist, like no one does that. It's just so freaking cool. It's super exciting. It's super exciting to be able to to have these conversations with the team and really watch not only the transformations that occur in the practice, but the transformations that occur in their personal life. Right. When we raise standards, we don't just raise them when we walk in the door of the place that we work, right? It's not employment standards and everywhere else we drop those standards. It's how do we hold them throughout everything? Right. How do we become a different person? And let's say that didn't affect you financially at all. As a dentist, let's say that like it didn't increase your revenue one bit, but your team was happier. Your team knew how to solve problems on the home front. They knew how to make better decisions financially. They were more dedicated and in integrity with their health goals. They were actually a better ambassador for your healthcare, you know, profession. That to me is a huge win. Even if it was just those things, which is 100% the goal of this. I just happen to think it's also going to impact revenue. You I don't think you can do one without the other, right? It's it would be very odd for standards to raise everything to completely ramp up, but then <laughs> the monetary and the finances completely stay the same. Because it's magnetic. Exactly. It's magnetic. We know that that compounds. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. You hire one person on your team who already kind of has this stuff, right? Who's who's done some of this work and you know what happens when you hire that like just rock star badass to your team. Imagine having every single person on your team do that. Or even knowing who that one person maybe is that shouldn't be there on the team. And that's just as valuable. Sometimes you have to find that part out. And that could come from something like this too. We don't know. But there's going to be some interesting elements that come from this. And I think largely it's going to be something no one's ever seen before. Um, you want to talk about the logistics of it a little bit? Because I think part of what's important about that is that this is it's actually very limited because there's only one of you. There's, there's some yeah, capacity so, issues here. Right. So we're going to be taking this. We're going to be doing this with 10 practices and 10 practices only. The logistics piece is that I'm going to be meeting with the teams and I'm going to be taking them through trainings. And then each team is going to have a one-on-one call with me each week. And so we're doing this for the duration of a month. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a month. And so the one-on-one calls with me are per team so that the team can actually ask questions about the training that was previously implemented and start understanding it on a personal level. How does this apply to me? How does this apply to our practice? Here are the specific things that we're doing in our practice. Here's what's working. Here's what's not. What do we need to do differently? Right. So that we can start to have really rapid changes happening in real time. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing. There's going to be a call with the doctor of each team before and after so that we can track progress from the leader's perspective. What are you seeing? Where are we at now? What are you identifying as the problems of the team or opportunities for growth areas? Which is a bonus, by the way. I mean, you and I talked about this um, with Devin. And we were kind of asking, like, what do we want for our practice? And, you know, the team part is already, that's, that's the juice. That's the great stuff. But what we kind of thought through is like, we want you to sort of check in with us. We wanted to know like, okay, where are we, where are we starting from? And where does it end at the end of this month? And your time, obviously, anyone who's ever coached with you know that it's very, very valuable. And so you were willing, obviously, to give that to us. But now that we're looking to scale this because of the desire and we want to have more teams benefit from this as well, that piece is, is a bonus. And that's a, it's a pretty incredible bonus on your side to work with the dentist as well to keep them abreast of the situation and giving them a really good pulse of what's happening. Giving them a pulse of what's happening and also identifying opportunities where they may need to increase their leadership. Give me an example. So as the team is increasing their value, seeing things differently, they may report back, well, you know what would really help us as we're doing this is if we had our leader come in and uh, I've heard this before, we would really like our doctor to tell the patient what the fees are, Mm. right? Mm. That's something that teams will say. It's like, we're trying to, we're, we're trying to help you get this point across for the patient. But when fees don't want to be discussed from the provider's side, it's very hard for us to relay that. And then the front desk doesn't want to, and then it just kind of is like this mystery that the patient has to uncover of, but how much is this going to cost me? And why can't anybody answer this question for me? Right. Mm -hmm. So that could be a place where the team identifies, we could really feel supported in having these conversations with patients. If our doctor would just tell the patient how much the thing costs. Right. 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 So something like that could be potential feedback that I give the dentist in support of how the team is now up leveling. Hopefully our team doesn't show throw you guys under the bus. <laughs> yeah. Just really be like these. If you could just replace Devin and Galen, we'd be we'd be fine. <laughs> we'd really be operating on Yeah. 
Um, what else? I know. Um, give me just very quickly because I know we're getting you're getting to the tail end here. Give me an idea of what the, this course is because you and I have talked about this and you you said this very transparently with Evan and I. You're like, look, to expect the team to be a 180 after working with them for a month, that's not possible with a single client, with a single dentist. There is a very real possibility that you've told us like this is going to have to be a bit of an ongoing thing for certain with different ideas, different metrics, different focuses, foci throughout this process. But you start with something that's very, I thought, super cool. There's a there's a focus right from the beginning that a person has to have. So walk me through what the first curriculum is to a degree. Well, the first place that we've got to start is we've got to see the team has to understand how their goals are tied to the practice goals. Mm, I love that. So it's very hard to say, I want to actually be an elevated version of myself and I want to show up more fully at my job, right? Quote unquote, at my job, when that may be really irrelevant to them and how they reach their goals. Mm. Once they can start to understand how their individual goals actually really align with the practice goals, now we've really got something. Now we've got a reason to show up differently. Now we've got a reason to want to learn how to have a different standard for communication, right? Because that's going to translate if somebody is like, okay, why do I care about communication? Oh, well, you can talk to a patient in a completely different way. So what? Right? That's very totally. that's yeah, fr- so is, what? This is literally So yeah, what? Uh-huh, very very irrelevant. Why am I spending my time listening to you ha- talk about patient communication? Well, because it's not patient communication. When we uplift your standard for how you're speaking to people, how you're conveying thoughts, how you are then able to influence a person and guide them better, that translates to how you speak to your kids, how you speak to your spouse, how you speak to patients, how you interact with your boss. How do you do all of these things? It's not, we're not talking about scripts. We're talking about becoming something different. And we talked last night about, even like we were talking to our kids, that their ability to articulate their thoughts intelligently, concisely, and with power is like, that's the gold of today. Because there's so many people who can't do that. And so that communication skill set being given to each and every person on, on a team is wild. Like that's so, so powerful. The other thing that I thought was really cool, and I think a lot of you guys can probably relate to this on the podcast, when you were kind of presenting this to Devin and I, your game plan for things, I I can't help myself. I immediately thought about certain truths that my dad would try to give to me. And it was because it was my dad, I just couldn't hear it. Mm. And he was right. My dad was right. My dad's a very smart, wise man. And I just couldn't hear it because of my own ego, you know, and because the proximity to the person telling me this thing. But I get the same information and perhaps a slightly different packaging from from a mentor, from a coach, from a whoever. And it's like, bam, there it is. And I was excited for a lot of things that we've tried to help with that just didn't seem to resonate, didn't seem to help. And the idea of you being able to actually say it in a way that's so much more relatable because our team is basically all women to have you as a woman, be able to walk them through that and hear where they're really at and help them through things that we really couldn't. We just were not as relatable on that front. Yeah. So really excited about that. 
It's, I'm so excited about it. And the last logistical piece is that there is going to be a Voxer broadcast for all the teams who are participating so that every day I can deliver a new message within the Voxer broadcast. So a broadcast means that they're not going to be able to write back to me. It's not a time to do Q&A, but it is a time for them to start calibrating to me, to my mindset, how I think about things, how we are structuring the day. What should your focus be? What is your intention? What is your energy? How are we getting these things all in alignment so that you do show up in work, you show up in your personal life, you show up in your relationship, in your parenting, completely different. And that's when we start to raise value, we start to raise confidence of an individual that directly benefits the practice. And the Voxer broadcast, just people know, if they don't know what Voxer is, it's basically like a walkie-talkie, yeah? It's It's like voice memo on your phone. Yeah, I pop in, I will give a little message or training for that day, and people get to listen to it at their... At their leisure. Yep. Yep. Okay. It's like a little motivational minute, and but beyond motivation, it's like perception shifts and 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 all. Yeah, the rest. I'm 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 not motivational, so <laughs> yeah, the anti-motivational. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't I don't I don't. It's do, the real talk with Davina. <laughs> I don't do motivation, but I do other things. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, makes total sense. So if you hearing if you're hearing this and you're like, you know what, my team could really use some help on this front, or I could use some help, I could use some support. Definitely reach out, leave a comment, whatever it is. We'll get that taken care of. Also, it seems like the teams, right, they'll be able to reach out to Vittoria. Questions, they'll still be able to ask lots of questions of you. Even though the Voxer is more just you talking to them, they'll still have plenty of opportunity to, to walk through all that. Yes. Awesome. Amazing. Okay. Well, other thoughts? Anything else we want to talk about? No, this was fantastic. Amazing, baby. What all a good right. time. Yeah, always. All right. Have a good one, y'all. We'll see you next time.